Oh, hello everyone. I'm reading you from the chapter 16, Through the Trapdoor. So I'm gonna skip a small section of it, because uh, it's just uh, some small things like Gale taking an exam and Professor McGonagall goes does an anti-cheating spell and so on and so on. Alright, I'm just starting right here. Enjoy. It was far easier than I thought it would be, said Hermione, as they joined the crowds flocking out into the sunny grounds. I needn't have learned about the 1637 werewolf code of conduct or uprising of the Alfred the Eager. Hermione always liked to go through their exam papers afterwards, but Ron said this made him feel ill, so they wandered down to the lake and flopped under the tree. The Weasel Twins and Lee Jordan were tickling the tentacles of a giant squid, which was basking in the warm shadows. No more revision, Ron sighed happily, stretching out on the grass. You could look more cheerful, Harry. We've got a week before we find out how badly we've done. There's no need to worry yet. Harry was rubbing his forehead. I wish I knew what this means, bursts out angrily. My scar keeps hurting. It's happened before, but never so often as this. Go to Madame Pomfrey, Hermione suggested. I'm not ill, said Harry. I think it's a warning. It means danger is coming. Ron couldn't get worked up, but it was too hot. Harry, relax. Hermione is right. The stone's safe as long as Dumbledore's around. Anyway, we've never had any proof Snape found out how to get past Fluffy. He nearly had his leg ripped off once. He's not going to try it again in a hurry. And Neville will play and Neville will play Quidditch for England before Hagrid lets Dumbledore down. Harry nodded but he couldn't shake off his lurking feeling that there was something he'd forgotten to do, something important. When he tried to explain this, Hermione said, That's just the exams. I woke up last night and was halfway through my transfiguration notes before I remembered we'd done that. Harry was, a quite, Harry was quite sure that the unsettled feeling didn't have any, anything to do with work, though. He watched an owl flutter towards the school, across the blue, bright blue sky. A note clamped on his mouth. Hagrid was the only one who ever sent him letters. Hagrid will never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid will never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Never, but... Harry suddenly jumped at his feet. Where are you going? said Horn sleepily. We've just got off... We just got... I've just thought of something, said Harry. He had gone white. We've got to go and see Hagrid now. Why? panted Herm Hermione, hurrying to keep up. Don't you think it's a bit odd? said Harry scrambling up to the grassy slope, that, w that what Hagrid wants more than anything else is a dragon, and a stranger turns up who just happens to have an egg in his pocket? How many people wander around with dragon eggs, if it's against wizard law? Lucky they found Hagrid, don't you think? Why didn't I see this before? What are you on about? said Ron. But Harry sprinting across the grounds towards the forest didn't answer. Hagrid was sitting in an armchair outside his house. His trousers and sleeves were rolled up. He was shelling peas into a large bowl. Hello, he said, smiling. Finishing your exams? Got time for a drink? Yes, please, said Ron. But Harry cut 
across him. No, we're in a hurry. Hagrid, I've got to ask you something. You know that night you won Norbert? What did the stranger you were playing cards look like? Don't know, said Hagrid casually. He wouldn't take his cloak off. He saw the three of them look stunned and raised his eyebrows. It's not that unusual. You had a lot of funny folk in the hawk's head. That's one of the pubs down in the village. Might have been a dragon dealer, mightn't he? I never saw his face. He kept his hood up. Harry sank down to the necks of the bald piece. What did you talk to him about, Hagrid? Did you mention Hogwarts at all? Might have come up? Hagrid said, frowning as he tried to remember. Yeah, he asked what I did, and I told him I was gamekeeper here. Uh, he asked a bit around the sort of creatures I look after, so I told him I said what I always really wanted was a dragon, and then I remember, can't remember too well, because he kept buying me drinks. Uh, let's see, yeah, then he said he had the dragon egg and we could play cards for it if I wanted, but he had to be sure I could handle it. I didn't want to go to any old home. So I told him, after Fluffy, a dragon would be easy. And did he, did he seem interested in Fluffy? Harry asked, trying to keep his voice calm. Well, yeah. How many three-headed dogs you'd met? Even around Hogwarts. So I told him, Fluffy's a piece of cake. If you know how to calm him down, just play him a bit of music. And he goes straight off to sleep. Hagrid suddenly looked horrified. I shouldn't tell you that, he blurted out. Forgot, I said it. Hey, where are you going? Harry, Ron and Hermione didn't speak to each other at all until they came into the halt in the entrance, which seemed very cold and gloomy after the grounds. We've got to go to Dumbledore, said Harry. Hagrid told this, that stranger how to get past Fluffy and it was either Snape or Dumbledore under the cloak. It must have been easy once he got Hagrid drunk. I just hope Dumbledore believes us. Firenze might back us up if Bane doesn't stop him. Where's Dumbledore's office? They looked around as if hoping to see a sign of pointing them in the right direction. They had never been told where Dumbledore lived, nor did they know anyone who had been sent to see him. We'll just have to... Harry began, but a voice suddenly rang across the hall. What are you three doing inside? It was Professor McGonagall, carrying a large pile of books. We want to see Professor Dumbledore, said Hermione. Rather bravely, Ron, Harry and Ron fought. See Professor Dumbledore, Professor McGonagall repeated, as though this was a very fishy thing to want to do. Why? Harry swallowed. Now what? It's a sort of secret, he said, but he wished at once he hadn't, because Professor Mac Mac McGonagall's nostrils flared. Professor Dumbledore left ten minutes ago, she said coldly. He received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic and flew off for London at once. He's gone? said Harry frantically. Now? Professor Dumbledore is a very great riddle potter. He has many demands on his time. But this is important. Something you have to say is more important than the Ministry of Magic, Potter? Look, said Harry, drowning caution to the winds. Professor, it's about the Philosopher's Stone. Whatever Professor McGonagall had expected, it wasn't that. The books she was carrying tumbled out of her arms, but she didn't pick them up. How do you know? she spluttered. Professor, I think, I know that 
that someone's going to try and steal the stone. I've got to talk to Professor Dumbledore. She eyed him with a mixture of shock and suspicion. Professor Dumbledore will be back tomorrow, she said finally. I don't know how you found out about the stone, but rest assured, no one can possibly steal it. It's too well protected. But Professor Potter, I know what I'm talking about, she said shortly. She bent down and gathered up the fallen books. I suggest you go back outside and you enjoy the sunshine. But they didn't. It's tonight, said Harry, once he was sure Professor McGonagall was out of earshot. Snape's going through the trapdoor tonight. He's found out everything he needs and now he's, go he's got tumbled out of the way. He sent that note. I bet the Ministry of Magic will be get really shocked when Dumbledore turns up. But what can we... Hermione gasped. Harry and Ron wheeled around. Snape was standing there. Good afternoon, he said smoothly. They stared at him. You shouldn't be inside on a day like this, he said, with an odd twisted smile. We were... Harry began without any idea what he was going to say. You want to be more careful, said Snape. Hanging around like this, people will think you're up to something. And Gryffindor really can't afford to lose any more points, can they? Harry flushed. They turned to go back outside, but Snape called them back. Be warned, Potter. Any more nighttime wanderings, and I will personally make sure you are expelled. Good day to you. He strode off in the direction of the staff room. Out onto the stone steps, Harry turned to the others. Right, here's what we have got got to do he whispered urgently one of us has to go to keep an eye on snape wait outside the staff room and follow him if he leaves it hermione you'd better do that why me it's obvious said ron you can pretend to be waiting for professor flitwick you know he put in high voice oh professor flitwick i'm so worried i think i got question 14b wrong oh shut up said hermione but she agreed to go and watch out for Snape. And we better stay outside of the third floor corridor, Harry told Ron. Come on. But that part of the plane didn't work. No sooner had they reached the door separating Fluffy from the rest of the school than Professor McGonagall turned up again. And this time she lost her temper. I suppose you think you're harder to get past than the pack of enchantments, she stormed. Enough of this nonsense. If I hear you've come anywhere near here again, I'll take another fifty points from Gryffindor. Yes, Weasley, from my own house. Harry and Ron went back to the common room. Harry had just said, at least Hermione's on Snape's tail, when the portrait of the lady swung open and Hermione came in. I'm sorry, Harry, she wailed. Snape came out and asked me what was I doing, so I said I was waiting for Flitwick, and uh, Snape went to get him, and I've only just got away. I don't know where Snape went. Well, that's it then, isn't it? said Harry. The other two stared at him. He was pale and his eyes were glittering. I'm going out of here tonight and I'm going to try and get, uh, get to the stone first. You're mad, said Ron. You can't, said Hermione. After what McGonagall and Snape have said, you'll be expelled. So what? Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school of the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? 
Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if you if Gryffindor win the House Cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to get me there. It's only dying a bit of later than it would have done, because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through the trapdoor tonight and nothing you to say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? He glared at them. You're right, Harry, said Hermione's small voice. I'll use the invisibil invisibility cloak, said Harry. It's just lucky I got it back. But will it cover all three of us, said Ron? All? All three of us? Oh, come off it. You don't think you will let you go alone? Of course not, said Hermione briskly. How do you think you get to the stone without us? I'd better go and look through my books. There might be something useful. But if you get caught, you too get spelled too. Not if we can help it, said Hermione grimly. Glitwick told me in a secret that I got a hundred and twelve percent on his exam. They're not throwing me out after that. After dinner, the three of them sat nervously apart in the common room. Nobody bothered them. None of them, none of the Gryffindor had anything to say to Harry anymore, after all. This was the first night he hadn't been upset by it. Hermione was skimming through all her notes, hoping to come across of the enchantments they were about to try and break. Harry and Ron didn't talk much, but both of them were thinking about what they were about to do. Slowly, the room em emptied as people drifted off to bed. Better get the cloak, Ron muttered, as Lee Jordan finally left, stretching and yawning. Harry ran, ran upstairs to the, their dark dormitory. He pulled out the cloak and then his eyes fell on the flute Hagrid had given him for Christmas. He pocketed it to use it on Fluffy. He didn't feel much like singing. He ran back down to the common room. We'd better put the cloak on here and make sure it covers all three of us. If Fish spots one of our feet wandering along on its own. What are you doing? said a voice from a corner of the room. Neville appeared from behind an armchair, clutching Trevor the Toad, who looked as though he'd been making another bid for freedom. Nothing, Neville, nothing, said Harry, hurriedly putting the cloak behind his back. Neville stared at their guilty faces. You're going out again, he said. No, 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 said Hermione. No, we're not. Why don't you go to bed, Neville? Harry looked at the grandfather clock by the door. They couldn't afford to waste any more time. Snape might even now be playing Fluffy to sleep. You can't go out, said Neville. You'll be caught again. Gryffindor will be even more in trouble. You don't understand, said Harry. This is important. But Neville was clearly stealing himself to do something desperate. I won't let you do it, he said, hurrying to stand in front of the portrayal. I'll, uh, I'll fight you. Neville, Ron exploded. Get away from the hall and don't be an idiot. Don't call me an idiot, said Neville. I don't think you should be breaking any more rules and you were the one who told me to stand up to people. Yes, but not to us, said Ron in expiration. Neville, you don't know what you're doing. He took a step forward and Neville dropped Trevor, the toad, who leaped out of sight. Go on then, try and hit me, said Neville, raising his fists. I'm ready. Harry turned to Hermione. Do something, he said desperately. Hermione stepped forward. Neville, she said, I'm really, really sorry about this. She raised her wand, 
Petrificus Totalus, she cried, pointed at it at Neville. Neville's arms snapped to his sides, his legs sprang together, his whole body rigid. He swayed where he stood and then fell flat on his face, stiff as a board. Hermione ran to turn him over. Neville's jaws were jammed together so he couldn't speak. Only his eyes were moving, looking at them in horror. What have you done to him? Harry whispered. It's the full body bind, said Hermione miserably. Oh, Neville, I'm so sorry. We had to, we had to, Neville, no time to explain, said Harry. You'll understand later, Neville, said Ron, as they stepped over him and pulled on the invisibility cloak. But leaving Neville lying motionless on the floor didn't feel like a very good omen. In their nervous state, every statue shadow looked like filch. Every distant breath of wind sounded like peeves snooping down on them. At the foot of the first set of stairs, they spotted Mrs. Norris skulking near the top. Oh, let's kick her just this once, Ron whispered in Harry's ear, but Harry shook his head. They climbed carefully around her. Mrs. Norris turned her lamp-like eyes on them, but didn't do anything. They didn't meet anyone else until they reached the staircase up to the third floor. Peeves was bobbing halfway up, loosening the carpet so that people would trip. Who's there? He said suddenly as they climbed towards him. He narrowed his wicked black eyes. No, you're there, even now I can't see you. Are you ghouly or ghosty, or are we student beastie? He rose up in the air and floated there, squinting at them. Should call Filch. I should, if something's a creeping around unseen. Harry had a sudden idea. Peeves, he said, a hoarse whisper. The bloody baron has his own reasons for being invisible. Peeves almost fell out of the air in shock. He caught himself in time, hovered about a foot of the stairs. So sorry, your bloodiness. Mr. Baron, sir, he said greasily. My mistake, my mistake. I didn't see you. Of course, I didn't. You're invisible. Forgive old Peevesy his little joke, sir. I have business here, Peeves, croaked Harry. Stay away from this place tonight. I will, sir. I most certainly will, said Peeves, rising up in the air again. Hope your business goes well, Baron. I'll not bother you. And he scooted off. Brilliant, Harry, whispered Ron. A few seconds later they were there, outside the third floor corridor, and the door was already ajar. Well, there you are, said Harry quietly. Snape's already got past Fluffy. Seeing the open door somehow seemed to impress among all of three of them what was facing them. Underneath the cloak, Harry turned to the other two. If you want to go back, I won't blame you, he said. You can take the cloak, I won't need it now. Don't be stupid, said Ron. We're coming, said Hermione. Harry pushed the door open. As the door creaked, low, rumbling rows met their ears. All three of the dogs' noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though it couldn't see them. What's that in at its feet? Hermione whispered. Looked like a harp, said her Ron. Snape must have left it there. It must wake up in the moment you stop playing, said Harry. Well, here goes. He put Hagrid's flute to his lips and blew. It wasn't really a tune, but from the first note the beast's eye began to drop. Harry hardly drew breath. Slowly the dog's growls ceased. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees. Then it slumped to the ground fast asleep. Keep playing, Ron 
voluntary as they slipped out of the cloak and crept towards the crapdoor. They could feel the dog's hot, smelly breath as they approached the giant heads. I think we'll be able to pull the door open, said Ron, peering over the dog's back. Want to go first, Hermione? No, I don't. All right. Ron gathered his teeth and stepped carefully over the dog's leg. He bent and pulled the ring out of the trapdoor, which swung open. What can you see? Hermione said anxiously. Nothing, just black. There's no way of climbing down. We'll just have to drop. Harry, who was still playing the flute, waved at Ron to get his attention and pointed at himself. You want to go first? Are you sure? said Ron. I don't know how deep this goes. Bingo's. Give the flute to Hermione so she can keep playing him asleep. Harry handed the flute over. In the few seconds silence, the dog growled and twitched. But the moment Hermione began to play, it fell back into its deep sleep. Harry climbed over it and looked down through the trapdoor. There was no sign of the bottom. He lowered himself through the hole until he was hanging on by his fingertips. Then he looked up at Ron and said, If anything happens to me, don't follow. Go straight to the hourly and set Hedwig to Dumbledore, right? Right, said Ron. See you in a minute, I hope. And Harry let go. Cold, dumb air rushed past him as he fell down, 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 and flump. With a funny, muffled sort of thumb, he landed on something soft. He sat up and felt around his eyes, not used to the gloom. It felt as though he was sitting on some sort of the plant. It's okay, he called up to the light, the size of postage stamp, which was open to the trapdoor. It's a soft landing, you can jump. Ron followed straight away. He landed sprawled next to the Harry. What's this stuff? Where his were his first words? Don't know, sort of plan thing. I suppose it's here to break the fall. Come on, Hermione. The distant music stopped. There was a loud bark from the dog, but Hermione had already jumped. She landed on Harry's other side. We must be miles under the school, she said. Lucky this plant thing here, really, said John. Lucky, shrieked Hermione. Look at you both. She leaped up and struggled towards a, a dump wall. She had to struggle because the moment she had landed, the plant had started to twist snake-like tendrils around her ankles. As for Harry and Ron, their legs had already been bound tightly in long creeper without their noticing. Hermione had managed to free herself before the plant got firm to grip on her. Now she watched in horror as the two boys fought to pull the plant off them. But the more they strained against it, the tighter and faster the plant went around them. Stop moving, Hermione ordered them. I know what this is. It's devil's snare. Oh, I'm so glad. Now what it's called. That's a great help, snarled Ron leaning back, trying to stop the plant, curling around his neck. Shut up! I'm trying to remember how to kill it, said Hermione. Well, hurry up! I can't breathe. Wrestling, Harry gasps, wrestling with its curled around his chest. Devil's snare, devil's snare. What did Professor Sprout say? It's like the dark and the damp. So, light a fire, Harry choked. Yes, of course, but there's no wood, Hermione cried, wringing her hands. Have you gone mad? Ron bellowed. Are you a witch or not? Oh, right, said Hermione. She whipped out her wand, waved it, muttered something and sent a jet of the same blue flames she had used on Snape at the plant. In a matter of seconds, the two boys felt 
it losing its grip as it cringed away from the light and warmth, wringling and flailing. It unraveled itself from their bodies and they were able to pull free. Lucky you pay attention or her apology, Hermione said Harry as he joined her by the wall, wiping sweat off his face. Yeah, said Ron, and lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in a crisis. There's no wood. Honestly? This way, said Harry, pointing down a stone passageway with what, which was the only way on. All they could hear apart from their footsteps was the gentle drip of water trickling down the walls. The passageway sloped downwards and Harry was reminded of Gringotts. With an unpleasant jolt of the heart, he remembered the dragons said to be guarding walls in the wizard's bang. If they met a dragon, a fully grown dragon, Norbert had been had enough. Can you hear something? Aron whispered. Harry listened. A soft rustling and clinging seemed to be coming from up ahead. Do you think it's a ghost? I don't know. Sounds like wings to me. There's light ahead. I can see something moving. They reached the end of the passageway and saw before them in a brilliant lit chamber, its ceiling arching high above them. It was full of small jeweled brides, birds, flooding, trembling all around the room. On the opposite side of the chamber was a heavy wooden door. Do you think they'll attack us if we cross to the room? said Ron. Probably, said Harry. They don't look very vicious, but I suppose if they all swoop down at once, well, there's nothing for it. I'll run. He took a deep breath, covered his face with his arms and sprinted across the room. He expected to feel sharp beaks and claws tearing at him at any second, but nothing happened. He reached the door untouched. He pulled the handle, but it was locked. The other two followed him. They tucked and heaved at the door, but it wouldn't budge. Not even when Hermione tried her Alohomora charm. Now what? said Ron. These birds, they can't be here just for a decoration, said Hermione. They watched the birds soaring overhead, glittering. Glittering? They're not birds, Harry said suddenly. They're keys. Winked keys. Look carefully. So that must mean... He looked around the chamber while the other two squinted up at the flock of keys. Yes, look, broomsticks. We have got to catch the key to the door. But there are hundreds of them. Ron examined the lock on the door. We're looking for a big, old-fashioned one, probably silver, like the handle. They seized the broomstick each and kicked off into the air, soaring into the midset of the cloud of keys. They grabbed and snatched, but the bewitched teeth darted and dived so quickly it was almost impossible to catch one. Not for nothing, though, was Harry the youngest seeker in the century. He had a knack knack for spotting things other people didn't. After minutes weaving about through the whirl of rainbow feathers, he noticed a large silver key that had bent wings, as if it had already been caught and suffered roughly into the keyhole. That one, he called off to the others. That big one. There. There. No, there. With a blue, bright blue wing. The feathers are all crumbled on one side. Ron went speeding on the direction that Harry was pointing, crashed into the ceiling and nearly fell off his broom. We have got close in on it, Harry called, not taking his eyes off the key with the damaged wing. Ron, you come at it from above. Hermione, stay below and st uh, stop it going down, and I'll try to catch it, right? 
Now, Ron dived Hermione, rocked upwards in the key, dodged them both and straight after it. It sped towards the wall. Harry leaned forward and it was a nasty crunching noise, pinned against the stone with one hand. Ron and Hermione cheers echoed around the high chamber. They landed quickly and Harry ran to the door, the key struggling in his hand. He rammed it into the lock and turned. It worked. The moment the lock had clicked open, the key took flight again, looking very battered now that it has been caught twice. Ready? Harry asked the other two. It has his hand on the door handle. They nodded. He pulled the door open. The next chamber was dark. They couldn't see anything at all. But as they stepped into it, light suddenly flooded the room to reveal an astonishing sight. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard behind the black chessmen, which were all taller than they were, carved from what looked like black stone. Facing them, way across the chamber, were the white pieces. Harry, Ron and Hermione shivered slightly. The towering white chessmen had no face. Now, what do we do? Harry whispered. It's obvious, isn't it, said Ron. We've got to play our way across the room. Behind the white piece they could see another door. How? said Hermione nervously. I think, said Ron, we're going to have to be chessmen. He, he walked up to a black knight and put his hand out to touch the knight's horse. At once the stone sprang to life. The horse pawed the ground and the knight turned his helmet head to look at, down at Ron. Do we uh, have to join you to get across? The black knight nodded. Ron turned to the other two. This one's thinking about, he said. I suppose we have got to take the place of the three of, three of the black pieces. Harry, Hermione and Hermione stayed quiet, watching Ron think. Finally, he said. Now, don't be offended or anything, but neither of you are that good at chess. We are not offended, said Harry quickly. Just tell us what we do. What to do? Well, Harry, you take the place of that bishop, and Hermione, you go there instead of the castle. What about you? I'm going to be the knight, said one. The chessmen seemed to have been listening, because at these words a knight and bishop in the castle turned down their backs on the white pieces and walked off the board, leaving three empty squares, which Harry, Ron and Hermione took. White always plays first in chess, said Ron peering across the board. Yes, look. A white pawn had moved forward two squares. Ron started to direct the black pieces. They moved slightly, silently, wherever he sent them. Harry, Harry's knees were trembling. What if they lost? Harry moved, Harry moved diagonally, diagonally four squares to the right. Their first real shock came when their other knight was taken. The white queen smashed him to the floor and dragged him off the board, where he, where he lay quiet, still, face down. Had to let that happen, said Ron, looking shaken. Leaves you free to take the bishop, Hermione. Go on. Every time one of their men was lost, the white pieces showed no mercy. Soon there was a huddle of limp black players slumped along the wall. Twice, Ron only just noticed in time that Harry and Hermione were in danger. He himself darted around the board, taking almost as many white pieces as they had lost black ones. We're nearly there, he muttered suddenly. 
Let me think, let me think. The white queen turned her blank face towards him. Yes, said Ron softly. It's the only way. We have got to be taken. No, Harry and Rohemine shouted. That's chess, snapped Ron. You've got to make some sacrifice. I'll make my move and she'll make me. That leaves you free to checkmate the king, Harry. But do you want to stop Snape or not? Ron, look, if you don't hurry up, you'll already have the stone. There was nothing else for it. Ready? Ron called, his face pale but determined. Here I go. Now, don't hang around once you've won. He stepped forward and the white queen pounced. She struck Ron hard around her head with the stone arm and he crashed to the floor. Hermione screamed but stayed on her square. The white queen dragged Ron to the, on one side. He looked as if he'd been knocked out. Shaking, Harry moved three pieces to the left. The white king took off his crown and threw it at Harry's feet. They had won. The chessmen parted and bowed, leaving the door ahead clear. With one last desperate look at the back, Ron, Harry and Hermione charged through the door and up to the next passageway. What he is, he'll be all right, said Harry, trying to convince himself. What do you reckon next? We have had Sprouts, that was the devil's snare. Flitwick must have charms on the keys. McGonagall transfigured the chessmen to make them alive. That leaves Quirrell's spell and Snape's. They had reached another door. All right, Harry whispered. Go on. Harry pushed it open. A disgusting smell filled their nostrils making both of them pull their robes up over their noises, noses. Eyes widening, they saw flat on the floor in front of them, a troll even larger than one they had draggled out cold with a bloody lump on its head. I'm glad we didn't have to fight that one, Harry whispered, as they stepped carefully over one of the massive legs. Come on, I can breathe. He pulled open the next door, both of them hardly daring to look at the came, what came next. But there was nothing very frightening in there, just a table with seven differently shaped bottles standing on it in a line. Snapes, said Harry. What do we have to do? They stepped over the ter threshold and immediately a fire sprang behind them in a doorway. It wasn't ordinary fire either. It was purple. It, at the same time, insta instant black flames shoot up in the doorway leading onwards. They were trapped. Look, Hermione seized a roll of paper lying next to the bottles. Harry looked over, over her shoulder and read it. Danger lies before you, while safety lies behind. Two of us will help you in whichever you would find. One among us, seven, will let if you moved ahead. Another will transport the drinker back instead. Two among our number hold only Neffel wine. Three of us are killers waiting hidden in line. Choose, unless you wish to stay here forevermore. To help you in your choice, we give you these clues for. First, however slyly the poison fries to hide, you will always find some on the Neffel wine's left side. Second, different are those who stand at either end. But if you would move onwards, neither is your friend. Third, as you see clearly, all are different size. Neither dwarf nor giant holds death in their insides. Fourth, the second 
left and the second on the right are twins once you taste them, though different at first sight. Hermione let out a great sigh and Harry, amazed, saw that she was smiling, the very last thing he felt like doing. Brilliant, said Hermione. This is magic, it's logic. A puzzle. A lot of the greatest wizards haven't got a one ounce of logic. They'd be stuck in here forever. But so will we, won't we? Of course not, said Hermione. Everything we need is here on this paper. Seven bottles, three are poison, two are wine, and one will get us safely through the black fire. One will be get us back through the purple. But how do we know which to drink? Give me a minute. Hermione read the paper several times when she walked up and down in the line of the bottles, muttering to herself and pointing at them. At last she clapped her hands. Got it, she said. The smallest bottle will get us through the black fire towards the stone. Harry looked at the tiny bottle. There's only enough here, there for one of us, he said. That's hardly one swallow. They looked at each other. Which one will get you back through the purple flames? Hermione pointed at the rounded bottle at the right end of the line. You drink that, said Harry. No, listen. Get back and get Ron. Grab brooms from the flying key room. They'll get you out of the trapdoor. Pass Fluffy. Go straight to the ovalry. And send Hedwig to Dumbledore. We need him. I might be able to hold Snape off for a while, but I'm not matched for him, really. But Harry, what if you know who who's with him? Well, I was lucky once, wasn't I? said Harry, pointed at the scar. I might get lucky again. Hermione's lips trembled and she suddenly dashed at Harry's. Harry and drew her arms around him. Hermione! Harry, you're a great wizard. You know, I'm not good as you, said Harry. Very embarrassed as she let go of him. Me? said Hermione. Books, cleverness. There are more important things. Friendship and bravery, and oh, Harry, be careful. You drink first, said Harry. You are sure which is which, aren't you? Positive, said Hermione. She took a long drink from the round bottle at the end of the shuddered. It's not poison, said Harry anxiously. No, but it's like ice. Quick, go before it wears off. Good luck, take care. Go! Hermione turned and walked straight to the purple fire. Harry took a deep breath and picked up the smallest bottle. He turned to face the black flames. Here I come, he said, and he drained the little bottle in one gulp. It was indeed a tough ice was floating his body. He put the bottle down and walked towards. He braced himself, saw the black flames linking his body but couldn't feel them. For a moment he could see nothing but dark fire. Then he was on the other side, in the last chamber, and there was already someone there, but it wasn't Snape, it wasn't even Voldemort. Alright, thanks for listening, that was the end of the chapter 16. I will be um, ready for the next chapter in a few days, that, was th that will be uh, chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces. You know what that means. Alright, I'm really excited about this. Thanks again. And have a good day.